Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world, but also how to publish your own book. That's one of our big passions. I've personally written four different books, and I love doing podcast interviews where I interview fellow authors. Uh, so I'm going to quickly share with you my books if you don't know about them yet. Uh, my very first book was my book about uh, fatherhood, where I interviewed 100 different dads, and I put them all into book form. It became Amazon bestseller. I've also written uh, two different comic books. One's about marriage, another one's about parenting. And uh, my latest book series is a kid's book series all about family travel. Uh, the first book is South America, and then the second book's North America, then the next ones will be Europe and Asia, Africa, Australia, and of course, Antarctica. Uh, so make sure you grab a copy of my books. They're available on Amazon and of course on daddyblogger.com as well. And on uh, today's episode, we have a fellow kid's book author, and uh, uh, we're excited to invite our guest today. His name is Alan Harris, and Alan is joining us from Lexington, South Carolina. Alan is the creator of an amazing book series called Tales of of Larkin. He's already written five books, he's published four, and who knows, there might be many more coming along the way. And it's a great uh, story, especially with the Christian uh, allegory in it, in it as well. Uh, I happen to be a, a Christian as well, so I'm looking forward to hearing his, uh, how he's incorporated the gospel into his books. So super excited to invite, up, uh, invite Alan onto our show here today. Alan, how are you doing over there in South Carolina today? Oh, I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I am excited as well. So uh, the way we try to start off a show is we always like to get to know our guests. Why don't you share a little bit about yourself, about your family, and a little bit about your background? Well, I appreciate that. Um, I'm a veterinarian. I'm still a practicing veterinarian. I own my own practice in West Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, I've graduated from Auburn University School of Veterinary Medicine back in 1981, so I've been doing this for a while. Uh, my wife and I, uh, have six children that we have uh, homeschooled and that's really one of the motivations behind doing the stories uh, but uh, I've been doing this for a number of years can I just go ahead and get started into uh, where the stories came from that kind of fits in with with uh, my past when I was still in vet school just completing I just completed my sophomore year I was getting ready to start my junior year in veterinary school and during that summer I was working and when just for time off I would like to go out into the woods and walk around and while I was doing that I found this creek way back in the woods with a three-step waterfall on it and it was beautiful I love sitting back there it was peaceful it's quiet I love listening to the water and as I glanced over and looked at that waterfall I noticed on the rock there was a little uh, almost square looking hole in the rock, like a little cave. It was about two inches tall by about an inch wide. And I was sitting there staring at that. And I thought, you know, if I was an inch tall, I could go in there and explore that thing. And I would, my imagination just kind of went in different directions. Uh, and I began to think, well, if I was an inch tall, how would I survive in the woods? And I looked over and I saw a lizard climbing on a tree. And I thought, man, if I was an inch tall, that thing would be like a dragon and I'd be in big trouble. And I saw a spider and I thought, oh my goodness, how would, you, how would you live if you were an inch tall in the woods? So that kind of sparked my creative juices. So I immediately hurried back to, the, to my house and just spent the whole time walking back just thinking about and ruminating on this story. And when I got back, I was so excited that I pulled out some scrap paper and just started writing a story. And I 
wrote for several days on this thing and probably got about 50 pages. And then uh, I had to start veterinary school again. And that was a full-time thing. And that went on all the way through my senior year. So I really didn't get a chance to mess with it anymore. Uh, and almost forgot about it. When we started having children, I remembered it and pulled it out and tried to read it to my oldest daughter when she was probably two and a half or three. And she just kind of looked at me and said, Dad, can I go out and play? And I thought, well, okay, that's it. So I just put it up and forgot about it. And then when my oldest daughter was probably 14 or 15, and then I had a, a son a couple of years below her and another daughter about three years younger. And then I had uh, my fourth child was a boy and he was just brand new. We were all sitting around at home just telling stories. We were laughing and, and telling all these remember when stories, favorite birthdays, favorite Christmases, and just having a great time. And we got to the place where we ran out of stories to tell, but we weren't tired of doing it. And so my oldest daughter remembered my story about my little inch tall people. And so she said, Dad, tell us that story. And I said, well, I tried before, but you didn't like it. My son said, oh, we were just kids then, Dad. We'll like it now. And so anyway, they begged me to do it. And of course, it didn't take much begging. I went and pulled it out and started reading it to them again. And they were old enough to appreciate it. And they absolutely loved it. And they were spellbound. So I read until it was bedtime. And then the next night, they wanted me to read some more. So I read some more. And I read for almost a week until I'd finished my 50 pages. And then they mobbed me and said, what's going to happen next, Dad? We got to know. So that inspired me. And so I sat down now, instead of writing it for me, I'm writing it for my family. And so that, that motivated me to want to, to do a really good job and make it exciting for them. Plus, um, as it turns out, just about all of my sons were a little ADD. And so I had to make sure that there was a lot of adventure in these things to keep them engaged. And at the same time, my wife and I were, made the decision. We felt like the Lord led us to homeschool our children. And that was a great adventure too. But if you're homeschooling, especially as a dad, you feel like I've got to make sure I teach my children everything that they need to know. And did I remember to teach them this? Or what about this thing? And there's this fear that you're going to miss out on some teaching opportunity and you're driving down the road and everything becomes a teaching opportunity. And they were spellbound when I would read them my story. So I thought this is perfect. I'll just include some things in here that I want them to know. The most important things I want them to know, character lessons and some spiritual lessons that I wanted them to know. And that's what motivated me to include the gospel in it. Uh, it also motivated me to include some, some characters in the story so that I could use them to teach my children. Uh, I wanted them, as we'd read something, I would uh, finish a chapter and I would ask them questions. Okay, well, how did that affect, how did what this person did affect uh, their future? What good things happened because of what they did? What bad things happened because of what they did? How could they have handled this thing better? And the kids were real excited. They were still engaged in the story. And so those discussions were very lively and involved. And I want to talk about that a little bit more later, but that's where the story came from. Uh, it took me uh, several years to finish the first book uh, because I didn't want it to in, uh, take away from family time. So I talked it over with my wife and I decided that after the kids went to bed and she and I had spent time together, then I would just go and spend my, my me time 
writing. And sometimes I could do it every night and sometimes it would be a week or two before I'd get to write a little more. And sometimes I could only spend like 15 minutes to write. You know how that is, Ricky. Uh, and uh, you just kind of keep plugging away at it and keep pushing. And that's, that's one of the things that, that really uh, encouraged me is to know that if you just keep moving, you eventually accomplish something. And whenever it may take several months, but I finally got a chapter done. And when I get a chapter done, then we made a big family event out of it. Since it was for my kids uh, and my wife was totally in support of this, she decided we would have a big family night. We called them Larkin nights uh, after the name of the story and the characters. Uh, we'd have a big Larkin night. It would usually be on a Friday or a Saturday and she would make a special meal and we would eat the meal and talk about the story and all that. And then as soon as it was over with, we would uh, all help her clean up the kitchen. Then we would all go into the den and I would have the children tell me where we'd gotten to in the story and so that they were back engaged to it. And then once we were all caught up, then I'd pull out the new pages and read the next chapter to them. And to make it fun, I would make up voices for the different characters as well. And we did this for several years until finally, at long last, I was able to finish the first book and complete it. And that was real exciting for me. Uh, because that was the first time I'd ever taken a major creative project like that and brought it all the way to completion. First time I'd ever written a book and I was just dumbfounded that I could do it, that it could be done. Uh, and so we were excited about the story. My wife uh, helped me edit it and uh, worked at it, finally self-published it. And then about that time, that was about two years after I'd finished it, the kids all came to me in mass and said, okay, dad, we want more story. What happens next? So that motivated me to write the second and I've just kept going. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for sharing a great uh, backstory of how you came up with the origin idea and then how your kids inspired you to keep writing. And now here you are, you publish four books and uh, more to come. So tell us about the actual uh, books in the series. Uh, tell us about uh, the four books you've currently published. All right. Appreciate you asking that. Uh, the first one is called, uh, can, you, can you see that? Tales of Larkin, Hawthorne's Discovery. Uh, and I wanted the kids to know what was in my mind as I was doing it. So I went ahead and illustrated the books too. I figured I was just doing it for them and didn't care, but uh, if they weren't top quality, but uh, I think they turned out rather well. The first book is about a character named Hawthorne. He's a 15 year old uh, youngster, a member of the Larkin tribe. Now Larkin are inch tall woodland people. They live in the woods uh, away from, from uh, humans and they just have to survive. There's originally were seven clans of Larkin, but over centuries there are only five that remained and Hawthorne is a member of the third clan. His family lives in a cedar stump that they've carved out in the middle of the woods and the story follows Hawthorne as he's growing up. It's kind of a coming of age story for him. He's learning how to be a warrior and a hunter. And uh, there's, there's a little bit of some mystery and intrigue that happens in the background. Things that are happening that he doesn't understand that are confusing to him. Uh, eventually he and his father and eight other Larkin are go out on a hunt. Uh, they hunt field mice. That's like a buffalo to them. And they have a name for them. They call them mouflon. So they go out and they hunt these field mice. And so they're off on this, this hunt. 
And while they're coming back from the hunt, they're attacked by bad guys. Now in the story, the bad guys are called renegades. Now they're the criminals from the Larkin clans that uh, they don't have a death penalty, but if you are really a bad guy and you can't be rehabilitated, they banish you from the clan, which is basically a death penalty uh, unless you can get some help. Uh, so these banished Larkin, who are now called renegades, have banded together and formed their own tribe. And so for self-preservation. Now these guys, they, it's survival of the fittest. Uh, they have no morals. They have no qualms with uh, stealing, robbing, killing. They're just in it for themselves. So you've got on one hand these, these really bad guys, and they wear wooden masks to terrify the Larkin when they attack them. They're constantly trying to ambush them or attack them. And then on the other hand, you've got the Larkin people, which are good people. They're trying to do right. They do believe in God. They call him the maker. And uh, they have come to believe, and you find out fairly soon in the story, that they have religious leaders that have kind of taken over. They have convinced everybody in the clans that they're the only ones that can speak the special secret prayer language to speak to the maker. And so if they want good things to happen to them from the maker, they got to come to the shaman and ask them to teach them or to to speak to the maker on their behalf. And so the shaman have basically got control over everything. And all the rest of the Larkin people just accept that and roll on. Well, while they're out on this hunt, the renegades attack. And Hawthorne, the 15-year-old Hawthorne, and a, a friend of his who's also 15, get captured and taken captive by the renegades. And in the process uh, of them being taken back as slaves, Eventually, Hawthorne escapes and is rescued by somebody that he doesn't know. And he discovers that there is another group of people out in these woods that he never knew about. They're not renegades, and they're not Larkin. They call themselves the Makarians, or uh, short for the Maker's Children. They're a group of Larkin. They originally came from the first Larkin clan, and one of the more honest shaman was doing some work and he discovered some manuscripts that have the maker's words in them. One of their, one of their uh, ancestors from their past had traveled around, discovered the Bible and made some recordings and some of his writings. And when this shaman discovered them and read them, he realized that anybody can talk to the maker. You don't have to have a secret prayer language. And he thought that was stunning. So he went to the leaders and tried to explain that to them and they immediately kicked him out and kicked all of his friends out and anybody he talked to got kicked out too because they didn't want anybody taking away their power. So there he was banished. He wasn't a renegade. He was trying to serve the Lord and he had this group of people that he needed to try to take care of and they eventually over time formed their own tribe that they call the Makarians and they have adopted the follow the teachings of the maker and they found that the discovered that the maker has a son that he had sent to the earth and uh, the way that they read it and the way that they pronounced it they called the, the maker's son's name jehesus uh slight mispronunciation of jesus's name but that's the way they read it and so that's what they call him and they have committed themselves to forming a society based on serving the maker and trusting him. 
they pray for everything they need, and then they trust him to give them, give them answers to those prayers. And so consequently, over time, their culture has advanced beyond the Larkin and the Renegades, but they feel an obligation to these other people in the woods. And so they're sending out teams of what they call rangers that go out just looking out for everybody to see uh, what the renegades are doing so that they can prepare for the evil attacks and that sort of thing, but also helping anyone that they find in need, including the renegades, many of which after they've been helped wind up joining the Macarians and becoming believers. Uh, but there's a, a lot of adventure, a lot of excitement, and uh, Hawthorne gets saved by these people physically and eventually comes to believe in Jehesus himself, but then his family was also taken captive and he's got to try to talk these new friends of his into going into the, the uh, renegade slave mines and trying to rescue his family. So it, it's really uh, engaging and quite exciting. And that's, that's the first book. Now in the second book, and it is called Tales of Larkin, uh, Larkin's Journal. I don't know if you can see that. Tales of Larkin, Larkin's Journal. That's book two. And that is a story that goes back 300 years into the Larkin's past. And it actually answers all the questions that you get from, from book one. It explains where the Larkin came from. Uh, that ancient character in their past that found out about the maker, his name was Larkin. And so he uh, went through uh, a lot of different adventures and travels eventually being found by some human beings, which were like giants to him. And it happened to be a godly family. And through them, he learned about the maker and he learned about the Bible and was able to make some recordings for himself. And then when he went back home, he was able to take that teaching with him. Now, I'm really shortcutting that story because there is an enormous amount of mystery and intrigue in that one. The first book is all about adventure. It's just go, 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 go because I wanted to keep my kids engaged. The second book is still got lots of adventure in it, but it's more mystery and intrigue. Things are happening and you don't understand why, and, and you discover all that as the story goes on. Uh, as I wrote these books, of the five books that I've written, book two is actually my favorite story. I love the characters, and I love uh, the way the plot goes in that story. But that's a history lesson. It goes back 300 years and kind of tells you where all the Larkin came from, and, and it explains a lot from the first book. Now, the third book, which is called Tales of Larkin, The Great Gathering, this one is, goes back to the characters in the first book. It starts up about two years after the first book, and it covers Hawthorne and all of these great friends and funny characters that he met. In the first book, it picks up with those people about two years later. And uh, one of the, the main plot of this book is that the Macarian people decide that they want to do more for the Larkin people than just occasionally run into them uh, in the woods and trying to teach them about the Lord. They want to see if they can actually do a greater work of evangelism in the Larkin people. And the way they decide to do this is that every five to seven years, the Larkin have what they call a great gathering. It's where all the clans of Larkin gather together in the ancestral home, which is, uh, I, you remember me talking about the, uh, the waterfall that inspired me? Yes, yes. I, uh, I decided to include that in the story. So that waterfall is actually where the first clan lived. They call it the steps. 
And they live in this cave that I have imagined back in there behind this waterfall. So every uh, five years, the lark and all the clans travel to the steps and they live in there for a couple of weeks and they just have a big family reunion. And they have the shaman conduct religious services and they have feasts and they just get to see each other and connect. Well, because that happens regularly, the Macarian people decided that they want to see if they can infiltrate uh, that great gathering and see if they can share the gospel to as many people as they can without getting caught and possibly uh, killed by the shaman. So that, and they want to, uh, they need help doing that. So they contact Hawthorne and some of the others who are believers. And there's a few believers in some of the other clans that they've made as well. They're secret believers. So this one teaches you more about the cost of discipleship and what's involved when you commit yourself to following the Lord and, and what that costs sometimes. And that's uh, very exciting. It's, it's uh, provides great opportunity to talk with my kids about some of these questions while they're very engaged in the story as well. Now, the fourth book goes back into the Larkin's history again. This is the, the newest one. I've just released this one. It's called Tales of Larkin, Mostar, and Belladonna. And again, as you can, as you can uh, imagine, there's lots of adventure in this thing. This one goes back 150 years. In the first book, uh, one of the scenes in the, in the story, you go through what they call the treasure cave. It's where some of the ancient Larkin are buried. And there's two chapters where you just go through and, and they review the history of some of these ancient people. I wanted to expand the story so that as you read it, you felt like there was this whole world of Larkin people. And so that's how I chose to do it. So I, I decided to include a couple that I introduced in the first book that were buried in that treasure cave, Mostar and Belladonna, and tell their story in the fourth book. Now, there's a little bit of a story behind this fourth book that I think is interesting, at least it is for our family. Uh, whenever we will go out as a family, especially if we're out in the woods, hiking, or uh, there's a beautiful path uh, along the river in Colombia that everybody, a lot of people like to walk along. It's very peaceful, big, big gnarly oak trees, so we had our family down there several years ago and we were walking along the river walk and just enjoying it. And whenever we're out in the woods like that, my kids immediately start looking for what they call Larkin fodder. It's places, interesting places that they would imagine the Larkin people climbing around or doing things. So they, they were doing that, which they do a lot, but it escalated. They began coming up with characters, new characters and adventures that they would do stuff that were not in the books. And I got the biggest kick out of listening to them make up these stories. And they were all so into it that they eventually all came running up to me and said, Dad, you've got to write this story. Well, I had never really let them have an input in the stories before. But I thought, well, it's all for them anyway. Why not? So I decided, okay, well, when I finish the third book then, and I start working on the fourth one, then I will try to incorporate some of these ideas that you've given me. Well, it turned out the, the, the ideas they gave me were great. The character descriptions and some of the little uh, events that they did were a lot of fun, but they didn't give me a plot. So I had to come up with a plot to fit all these things in. So I always wanted to write a story about Mostar and Belladonna. So I decided, okay, I'll, I'll tell their story, but include my kids' ideas in it. 
and it wasn't that easy. I would write and, and, and I would put the kids' ideas in, and as I would begin telling my story and moving along, I began to realize this isn't going the way I want it to, and so I would have to go back, and I would have to put in more in the first of it to make it fit the way the story was going, and by the time I finally just eventually had to tell the family, I can't do the Larkin Nights anymore. When I'd finish a chapter and we have the Larkin Nights, because every time I'd get together with them for a Larkin Night, I would have to stop and say, oh, we're going to have to go back, and I've changed this somewhat, and Finally, I changed it so much, I just said, okay, no more Larkin Nights until I get it finished. So I just wrote, and I wrote, had to write it back and forth, back and forth. I would write so much, then I'd go back and have to add a chapter. And I thought I'd finished it once, and I let my wife read it, and she said, you're not finished. You've got to answer this question. You've got to answer this question. And what about this person? So I had to go back and add another couple of chapters in it. I've never had to write a book like that. And it was very frustrating and and kind of confusing to me, and I wondered if it was going to turn out. But when it's all said and done, and with the help of my wife's editing and counsel, I was able to get it put together, and I really like the way the story has turned out. Now, the fifth book is not done yet, but it's written. I've written it. It's going to call, be called uh, Tales of Larkin, Fiery Trials. And uh, I'm not going to tell you anything more than it's going to involve a forest fire. And it allows me to bring together a lot of the, the people. It's going to be going back to Hawthorne's story. So it's like two years after book three. So the way it goes is book one is the story about Hawthorne and all of his friends. Book two goes 300 years in the past. Book three is back to Hawthorne about two years later. Book four goes 150 years in the past. And then book five is two years after book three, where it's more of Hawthorne's family and friends and people that uh, characters that a lot of the people who read the books will really be involved in. And uh, I asked my wife and one of my daughters who I allowed to read my manuscript for book five, how they would describe it. And they both gave me the same word. They said satisfying. So that gave me encouragement. So I think I'm on the right track with that one. Alan, my friend, you're a phenomenal storyteller. It's uh, incredible just to listen to you uh, with so much passion and joy and enthusiasm uh, for your stories. And just hearing them uh, makes me want to actually read them myself. And uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners of yours who are from around the world want to grab their own copy here. So uh, one of the things I always like to know with authors is what is your purpose? What is your goal? Like, for example, in my book, uh, when I wrote my uh, kid series and I'm continuing to write them, the goal is obviously to inspire people to travel, especially when they have young kids, to really um, nurture and um, empower kids to have this passion for the world, travel, culture, food, languages from a very young age. So I have this very specific, tangible goal when I'm writing. And I hope it comes through in my books and even uh, my uh, readers, they tell me that. They're like, man, I never thought I was gonna go to South America, but after reading your book, I wanna go there. So I'd love to hear from your angle um, in terms of what were your purposes, sometimes there's one purpose, sometimes there's multiple purposes and goals. So tell us a little bit about your intentions in writing these books. Oh, I'm so glad you asked that because that gets me more excited than even talking about the stories. The stories are fun. You know, I'm prejudiced, so I'm going to say they're great, but they're really a lot of fun. And just for entertainment and enjoyment, I don't think you can beat sitting down with one of these adventure stories and just losing yourself in the characters. Um, but the thing that has inspired me, I guess, more than anything else, is uh, how they can be used. I was asking my oldest son 
who's 36 now and is into sales. And so I was trying to get his advice on how can I market these books? And his advice to me after thinking about it for a few minutes was, you know, dad, I don't think the books is your product. He said, I think your product is how you use them to teach us. Because he said, you always would take time after you read a chapter to us and ask us all these questions and teach us lessons from them. And he says, I remember all of those. I said, that's a long time ago, Glenn. And he said, I remember them all. Now, he doesn't remember all the other stuff we taught him, but he remembers those. <laughs> and so I was trying to figure out why would he remember those lessons and not some of the others? Well, one of the things that uh, smarter people than I have discovered, and I discovered from them, was that if you use an exciting or an engaging story to teach, then the information goes straight into long-term memory. Most of the information that you're presented, the conversation that you and I are having right now, it's going into our uh, cerebral cortex up here in front, in the front part of the brain. And it'll stay there as long as you think about it, or if you repeat it a few times, or see some things that remind you of it, it may eventually work its way into long-term memory, but you have to do some stuff with the information that's there. Otherwise, it's gonna be gone in a few hours or just a few days. But if you use an exciting story or an exciting event and connect your teaching to that, it bypasses the cerebral cortex and it goes straight into the hippocampus, which is the organ that controls long-term memory. Now, if you think about that for a second, that's exciting, especially for dads that are teaching their kids, for moms that are teaching their kids, for teachers, uh, whether it's school teachers, Bible class teachers, grandparents, aunts, uncles that want to teach important lessons to children and they want them to remember them if you use a story, an engaging, exciting story that gets the kids gripped and you use your, you include your teaching in that story, it goes straight into long-term memory. Now there's no guarantee that they'll use that later on in life, but it'll be there. It's kind of left up to the Holy Spirit as to whether they actually apply it or not. But that's the goal that I have as a father. Uh, and I have that same goal with my books, I want the important things that I teach, I want it to go into their hearts. I want it to stay there. And then as they build a relationship with the Lord, hopefully the Lord will bring that stuff out that's already there, that I've helped put there, and they'll be able to apply it and use it. So what I did is once I felt God leading me to this conclusion, I took the books back off of Amazon and I re- uh, formatted them and I included a, a list of chapter questions as an appendix at the end of each one of these books so that if parents want to use them that way, if teachers want to use them that way, when they finish reading a chapter while the kids are much engaged in the excitement of the story because I leave them all hanging, you know, I want them to want more. After I was writing, I all wanted my kids to ask me what happens next, Dad. So that's why I did it like that. As they're still engaged in the story, you flip over to the back, and there's some chapter questions that you can use to prompt you to, to ask leading questions and get discussion going with your kids about 
the good character that this person in the story showed and the consequences of that, the bad character that this person in the story showed and what happened there, what spiritual lessons were there. Uh, how did Satan rear his ugly head in this and how can we avoid those things? How did Jesus show that same character quality in his life? Those are the kind of things that I ask my kids. And so those are the questions that I put at the end. But somebody with a little practice can take any book, even your books, and can read those to their kids and can come up with questions to ask that will engage their minds, engage that long-term memory so that they can learn some of these things. Now, one of the things that uh, my wife made sure that I did, because when I read these stories to my kids, I made up voices for the different characters uh, just to make it fun. She told me as we were finishing this up, she says, I want you to record these things and I want you to use the voices you used with our kids because I want my grandkids to hear you read this to them. So I've done that. And so these books can also be found on Audible uh, where I'm reading the stories and I do it the same way I read it to my kids. And I don't do the questions at the end of the chapters, but I make up the voices and, and it's just a totally different experience when you uh, hear it read to you uh, use, using voice characterizations. But using the stories to teach is just an exciting thing for me. Awesome, awesome. I definitely look forward to listening to the audio. Even when you were telling the story to me earlier, I could almost picture it. And you didn't do any voices or anything like that. So I can just imagine <laughs> how the story will really come alive when you include the, the voice and audio element to what you've written. So I'm curious to know, um, what tips or advice do you give to other aspiring kids authors? Because that's one of my big goals is to inspire and support uh, other authors to actually get the books out there in the marketplace because a lot of people have a book in their brain but they never actually get it out there in terms of writing the keyboard getting the manuscript done sending it to the publisher and having that all too luxurious print copy that you can show your friends that you can do book signings that there's such an incredible feeling uh, as you know obviously having that signed book copy uh, so what, what would be your tips for um, our listeners our viewers who want to write their first book kids book or just book in general but they just don't know where to start and they feel so overwhelmed coming from well, four published books and now five written what would be your tips i appreciate that question as well um i started from scratch i was not an author uh when i got this idea i just had a story and i wanted to put it down and so i began writing and working at it and i didn't have the character at that time to really complete the book. I had the information in my head, I had the idea in my head, but I, I showed my poor character because once I got 50 pages written, uh, school did start, but I could have pulled it out at some other times. I was basically overwhelmed that I had written 50 pages and I hadn't gotten anywhere close to the story that I wanted to tell. And so I just said, well, you know, this is too hard, I'll just stop. But years later, once I read it to my children and they got excited about it, then I had a purpose. It wasn't just selfishness for myself to write the story. I was writing it for somebody else. I wanted to encourage my kids. I wanted to give them a fun story that they could read that would entertain them, that would pull them to become a better person. So that motivation helped me to pull it out and start writing again and to continue. And like I said earlier, Sometimes I would only get to write maybe 10 or 15 minutes a night. And those nights might be once every week or two. 
Uh, there were times when I didn't pull it out for a month, but I always brought myself back to it. And I just kept pushing myself to just write the next thing. Even when writer's block happens, uh, when you get to a place where I don't know what to write, I don't, I'm blank, then I just came up with the idea of, well, since I'm writing a story, what is the very next thing that would happen? Sometimes the very next thing that would happen is, well, this person would go wash their hands and go get ready to eat a meal, which isn't very exciting to, to tell in a story, but I just began picturing that in my brain that, okay, that's what they do. And then the next thing is that they will get up and they will get ready and they will go outside and then they will look and they'll see this thing. And as I just pictured it in my head as the very next thing that they do, and I, I would write down some of those things as well. I began to see the story moving along and I began to see uh, after so much mundane stuff, something happened, some event that I saw. And I would go back and take some of that mundane stuff out. It just helped me move to the next spot and keep writing. My first point to everyone that's aspiring writer is don't give up. Keep pushing yourself. Keep putting the words down. Uh, even if it doesn't sound like a very exciting story, just keep putting words down and it'll lead you to the next important thing in the story. And as you keep putting words down, eventually in what's will seem after you get it done of in a very short time, you'll have a chapter written and you'll be excited that you have a chapter written and enjoy that chapter. And then, okay, it's time for chapter two. And you just do the same thing. You just keep putting words down, just keep making this story move along. And you can go back later and take parts out and even change parts that you need to. In fact, you'll find you'll have to change a lot of those parts to make it all fit together, but you just keep, keep putting words down even if it's just a few minutes a day, and even if it's not every day, keep making yourself do that, and eventually you'll finish another chapter, and another chapter, and another chapter. Um, these books have between 28 and 30 chapters in them. These are not short books, uh, and as I told you, I'm not that patient a person, at least not starting out with, but God showed me that if you just take this story and just take it step at a time and just keep putting words down, eventually you can wind up with a completed book and then you just keep going and then you can have two completed books, you know, and then three and then four. And I'm hoping to finish number five. Um, well, that's one of, that's probably the most important thing that I would tell them. The second thing that I would say is this, I was completely wrong when I first started. When I first started writing, I thought if you just took a good enough story, an exciting enough story, a good enough plot, I guess, if you had a great plot, then your story was gonna be successful. But I discovered as I began working my way through the first book that that's not the case. Uh, in fact, I was probably about a third of the way through the first book, and I realized that I felt like the story was a great plot, but it was just falling flat. And I realized that a really good book is not plot-driven. You can have a mediocre plot, but if you have great, exciting characters in your story, even a book with a mediocre plot will be successful because the characters keep people engaged. The characters are what they keep reading. They want to find out what happens to this person. 
even a great plot with poor characters is going to fall flat. So I, that's one thing that I've, that works for me. I don't know if that's a fact someplace or not, or if that's even true in the grand scheme of book writing, but it's true for me and I love it. That's, that's one of the most exciting things that I've discovered is when I'm writing, I want to make sure I've got some really fun, really interesting characters that keep the plot moving and keep people engaged. And in, in my particular case, because I wanted to honor God in my stories, I prayed my way through it. As I begin writing, in fact, just about every time I sit down to write, I'll pray first and I'll ask the Lord to lead me. And I prayed all through these things. So I, I feel like that the Lord really is a big part of these books. Awesome. Thank you for sharing uh, those uh, wonderful tips there for people who want to write. Uh, totally agree there. Don't give up. Uh, for me, it's uh, setting those public deadlines. Uh, for me to get my book done this year, I was like, okay, Father's Day is coming out. And because I made it so public on my social media, on my blog, it forced me to, you know, walk in integrity and actually get the book done on time. Even though those sleepless nights, especially that last week. But uh, so, 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 so glad it's done. Uh, so de definitely encourage um, everyone who's listening, watching, get that book out there because people are waiting for it. People are waiting for it. So Alan, in conclusion, I want to know um, your, your big vision. So you, you've written these five books um, and maybe more to come. And um, you've done the audio books. Tell us about your vision. You know, in a perfect world, if you had an infinite amount of time and money and dollars, what would you do with your books and your business? Uh, walk us through the journey ahead. Well, uh, I think... Um, my vision has changed. I think originally my vision was to write some very uh, fun books that would teach people a little bit about God. My vision now is I want to see families brought together, family bonded together in shared activities. And reading stories together is one of those things that will do that. There's a lot of fun things that you can do as a family. Uh, we made movies together as a family. That's fun. Uh, and it's one of the things that makes us uniquely Harris's. The kids still talk about those things. But these books are also one of the things that have bonded us together because this has been our story. But not only that, because we've done it together. And we've also, these are not the only books that we've read together. There are other books that we found that were fun, engaging, that were uh, interesting, we thought the kids would like. And so for years, we would spend time uh, one or two nights a week, reading stories together. And I, I want that for people. I want, it's, it's tough now, Ricky, for families to be brought together. There's so many things pulling us in different directions. Uh, people that have their kids in, in public school or even private school, there's all kind of act, activities, there's sports things, there's church stuff, there's all kind of stuff that's just pulling us in different directions. And there's less and less time to find to build family unity and family bonding and this is one of those things that you can use it to do that it's fun the kids love it you will love it and it provides you an opportunity to not just have a good time and engage in something that's fun and builds your family unity but it, at the same time you can teach godly lessons and spiritual character that will stay in their hearts forever that they'll never get anyplace else. Uh, and that's kind of my vision, whether it's with the Larkin books or 
I've got some other ideas for maybe a different direction to maybe write some other books too, but that's what I'll be doing. I'll be making sure that each one of those chapters have some chapter questions and that those books are engaging enough that people can use them like that if they want to. And I hope other authors will begin doing that as well. That uh, with, with the little time that we have together as families, that we can use it positively in ways that will build family unity, will allow parents to teach character and spiritual lessons that will stay in the hearts of their children for the rest of their lives. That's my goal. And what a goal. And we're definitely kindred spirits here, Alan, because that's my big goal as well, to build strong fathers, build strong marriages, and build strong families. So what better way than uh, to read about a book, uh, read aloud with your kids, to inspire them, to storytell, and really to learn, like you said, the gospel uh, message as well. So great job on uh, the books and great job on the interview. Uh, in closing, how, people, how can people connect with you? They might have some follow-up questions about the books, and also how can they purchase a copy or multiple copies of your book series? Well, most of that information is going to be on my website. Uh, they can go to uh, uh, storieschangehearts.com. Uh, that's why I named it that. It used to be talesoflarkin.com until God gave me a bigger picture. And now I want to see stories change people's hearts. So it's storieschangehearts.com. And it's got uh, some of my back history on there. It's got uh, more of the documented information on how to use stories to teach to the hearts of your children. Uh, and also my books are on there. There's a way to buy them. You can get them from Amazon. The uh, audio versions of the books, books one, two, and three are on Audible. Uh, there's also going to be a special that I'm doing to try to promote, just to encourage people to find out about my books and read the books. I'm offering the first three books, book one, two, and three, in Kindle version, uh, on Kindle, uh, August the 9th through the 13th, August the 9th through the 13th, those five days, you can download those books for free. So uh, get the word out, folks. If you want to read my books and, and see what they're like without it costing you anything, uh, on August the 9th through the 13th, go to Kindle and you can download those books. Uh, but uh, you can also reach me through my uh, email, uh, which is uh, storieschangehearts at gmail.com. And I'll be happy to answer questions or, or, or encourage. And uh, if, uh, if anyone would, uh, if anyone would, well, uh, any, uh, any comments that people would have, any advice that they would like to get about writing, that would, I'd be happy to entertain that. Sorry for the confusion. No worries, Alan. Uh, thank you for uh, being on the show. Thank you for sharing your insights and your passion for book publishing and especially, like you said, your bigger vision uh, to uh, build strong families, to change people's hearts. And uh, of course, through the power of storytelling, uh, what better way to do that than to really impact the heart, souls, and spirits of humans and kids Absolutely. and the next generation. Uh, well, so thank you. I appreciate I'll, it. I'll have the links uh, below. It's storieschangehearts.com. If you're watching this on YouTube, they'll be writing the, uh, the links will be right in the YouTube description. And if you're listening on iTunes or one of the podcast directories, they'll be right in the show notes. So make sure you grab a copy um, of those uh, four books. And if you're listening to this before August, then of course you can grab them for free at Kindle. And if you're listening after, you can still grab them on Kindle, Amazon, Audible, and uh, through the website as well. So thanks everyone for tuning into this episode. And uh, of course, I got to plug away my books as well. Make sure you grab copies of my 
kids travel series so you can inspire your kids to travel the world and really um, impact the world through seeing the world. Uh, so thanks everyone for tuning into this episode um, and we'll catch up with you in the next one. Happy travels and happy book writing.